We have a very special weekend right now, and it's something that I can't really take credit for. Uh, I love it, but it was really through Marie, our Director of Family Ministries, and then our team. And you'll notice our young people are with us, Summit Kids, so forth, but we have no child care today except for three and under. And we have a very strong belief that Summit Church is, is really an evolving core value that for generations yet to be born, we talked about this last week. But you know, there's no better way for these young men and women, these Summit kids, they've got to see us in worship. They've got to hear messages here. They've got to have the opportunity to be here. And so while we are very, very proud of what God is doing in Summit kids and the training or the teaching they get to equip them, but we also feel that it's very important that periodically we gather the entire family together, okay? Last week, somebody said, Chuck, do you, do you know what it's going to be like to have kids in there? And I said, well, Billy and I have 11 grandkids. I think I've got a pretty good idea. You know, you can see it on people's face, you know, what if something gets spilled? I said, we'll tell the adult that spilled it to clean it up. You get that? Okay, we'll let that go. But the reality of it is, and they say, you know, when you start bringing in all of the kids, it could get a little messy. And then they always have that question that they look at me like, do you know what that's like? And I said, do you have any idea what our house has been like? Yeah, I think we can get this. But this is how we grow together as families of faith, is we worship together, we learn together. And you know one of the greatest things for young people is to look around and to see you in church and the impact that it has to see you in worship and have an opportunity for us all to, to grow together. So I am excited about this, to say the least. I, um, and we're going to do it periodically. We're not uh, canceling, you know, Summit Kids or anything. But throughout the year, we're going to take advantage of opportunities for learning and growing and experiencing together. You know, we, uh, we're in the same series of 40 years in the making. We're finishing this up for the anniversary, uh, really 40-year anniversary. And I keep coming back to this, that when I studied this idea of 40 years, it was a time of, time of trials, testing, and preparation, those three, that it was always intended by God to lead to a promise, okay? Trials, testing, preparation that were always intended, those, to lead us to a time of promise. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Not always did God's people get that. Sometimes the promise was deferred because they missed it out of a lack of obedience and so forth. But one of the things, and I feel the energy within Summit Church, and particularly as we go into this season, is that we don't want to miss the promise that God has had for this church we believe very strongly that God has us positioned here strategically. We believe very strongly that you're not here by accident. None of us are here by accident. And God's got a reason for us to be here, to grow together. But there's a promise that God has given this church to reach this area, and that's what we intend to do with that. The message today is give thanks with a grateful heart. You know, the big idea as I look at this is simply this, an attitude of gratitude. That's kind of a great thing, isn't it? An attitude of gratitude can and should be passed from one generation to the next and even to generations yet to be born. You'll remember that statement from, from last week. This idea that what we're doing when we invest in the generations, we grow ourselves. God intends it to flow from us from generation to generation, but He expects it also for us to trust Him and have confidence that He is using that to reach even generations yet to be born. Shared, there was a story last week in terms of Reinhard Bonnke that I, I still went back and I reread this past 
past week and that, just some of the things that, you know, I'm, I'm in as much of a learning phase as I think anyone in this room. And so as God is pouring stuff in and so forth, a lot of times as I get through, I'm back reading it again and just becomes my own devotion in a sense to do that. I want to start us off with a scripture. It's found in Psalm 95 verses 1 through 3. And the key words in this, and he says to us, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let's just start this off right. Kind of what we did to begin the message today, this, this worship experience. Sing for joy for the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with, here's our word, thanksgiving. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. God gives us a pretty good foundation there to work with, doesn't he? And this word, when we talk about thanksgiving and what goes to that, very often we take the word thankfulness or to give thanks and gratitude, and we mix those two together as if they're synonymous, as if they mean the exact same thing, when in fact that they really don't. There's an important difference between these two words. So we've got to consider this. To be thankful, let's start with this, is to thank someone or acknowledge that the gift Acknowledge the gift that has been given to you. We do this with kids at a very young age, don't we? You give them something, and as parents or grandparents, what's our first response? Say thank you, please. Just say thank you, right? And we condition this process. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying that's a portal, though. That should be a door that leads us to teaching them what it means to be grateful, because being grateful is something different than just saying thank you. Thank you is, in fact, a response that acknowledges the gift that has been given. And we say that. But when we look at this in James 1.17, we go on. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. It's from God, right? Coming down from the Father of lights. That's a great statement, isn't it? With whom there is no variation or no shadow due to change. So saying thank you is very important. Being thankful just simply acknowledges the gift is good. And by the way, it doesn't always mean the gift is good, does it? Have you ever told somebody thank you for something you didn't want, you didn't ask for, and you had no idea what you were going to do with that, right? But what do we do? Because we're good people, right? We look at them and we smile and we go, thank you. And you walk away going, what am I going to do with this? You know? And then you're hoping that it's one of those Christmas parties where you get to re-gift something, right? That kind of a deal. But no. But it's the acknowledgement, isn't it, that the gift is good, right? And that's different. Now, when we get to grateful, everything changes. We have to go beyond the fact that the gift is good. And what we have to acknowledge to be grateful is simply this. The giver of the gift is good. You see, if you only look at your salvation as a gift that's good and you miss the giver of the good gift, you kind of miss it all, don't you? So say, thank you, Father, for what you did, for what Jesus did on the cross. Oh, I'm thankful for that. Believe me, I am. The gift is really, really good. Let's make no mistake about that. Oh, but the giver of the gift. If we miss the cross and the giver of the gift, we can't begin to comprehend the magnitude of what God did for us, can we? So we have to acknowledge, sure, thank you for the gift. But you know, at the same time, we have to go beyond that, and we have to teach our children, our children's children, to look beyond the gift to the giver of the gift, because that's when we truly get to know God in the process. In Ephesians 5.20, it says this, 
Always give thanks to God, the Father, for everything. That's a pretty encompassing word, isn't it? Always give thanks to God, the Father, for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Acknowledging Christ is there. So here's what I want to do. There's some things I do and people go, well, you know, that sounds crazy. It's not crazy. It's just different. Although crazy works sometimes, this is just going to be different. There's five words that that scripture starts off with, right? It's always give thanks to God. There's some things that we should walk out of here with as we prepare for Thanksgiving. I'm going to ask you to repeat those words with me. Everybody, repeat those. Now, by the way, no pressure, but most of the young people are going to be looking around to see who repeats it with them too, okay? So no pressure, but we need to do this, right? So let's start with this. I'm going to say this, then I'm going to ask you to do it. First five words. Always give thanks to God. Now say that. Always give thanks to God. That was good, isn't it? Always give thanks to God. You know, when always, that takes a pretty good piece of time there. And then, right, he goes on for everything. So when we get those two, that piece of it there, right? And so we say that and those five words, but there's more to it. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And there, what he says here, be thankful in all circumstances. Now, that changes it a little bit, doesn't it? Because we've talked about the gift and we've talked about the giver of the gift. But here we're going to add to that, but also in all circumstances. Because there's going to be times in this process where the circumstances do not feel all that good to you. And look, let's acknowledge this right now. There's folks in this church, there's folks here, their circumstances right now are a little bit of a grind for them. There's things going on in families in this church right now. And I just, you know, I think of a young guy that had surgery earlier this week and the family being there. We've got one of our family members broke his leg on the ice, Mark. He's home. You know, we can go through all of this. When we look at the circumstances and we let the circumstances dictate to us whether we give thanks and we're grateful, we often miss it. But if we look at every circumstance for what there is to be thankful for and the giver of the gift, the gratefulness that we have there, then God takes us down a different path there, right? So now there's 10 words here, right, <laughs> that we look at here. Be thankful in all all circumstances, for this is God's will. We're going to say these words together. So if you walk out of here, you will have repeated these. So I'm going to say these again, then I'm going to ask you to say these. Just the part that it says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will. We'll stop it there. Okay, I'll say it, you get to repeat it. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will. Now say it. Kind of gives us a pretty broad picture of everything and when we're supposed to be thankful, doesn't it? It's that process of being thankful and so forth. And, and the fact is, look, we've got to acknowledge on this that there are times of struggles. And I, I want you to know as your pastor that if you're sitting here today and you're going through a time of struggle, it doesn't make you a bad person, a bad Christian, and it doesn't even mean you're weak, your faith is weak. Not for me. It means that we live in a fallen world and there's a lot of battles going on. And you're here, some are worried about their kids or some are worried about other things and this, that, and whatever. It doesn't mean, and don't let Satan tell you that that means you're a weak Christian or that your faith is weak. Or, it's not it at all. It means that as a family, we're in struggles together, aren't we, saints? 
We are. And we should be joined in this together. But when we look at this issue of thankful and grateful and what this means to us and how we walk through this process, I will just tell you that I used my own example, and I already used Billy this morning, so she knows it's happening again. But Billy and I are, you know, we're in our 46 years of marriage. And when you look back at us being married, that nobody gave us a chance to make it the first year. True story. My family. And it was like, don't get too attached to her. And it wasn't because she wasn't worth keeping. Everybody knew she was worth keeping. There wasn't a person thought I was smart enough to keep her. True story. Nobody thought I was smart enough to keep her. And when I look at her and I say, you know, I've got Jesus Christ. We talk about a gift right there and the giver of the gift, but I've got my wife. There is no reason in the world for her to stick with me for 46 years. There is no earthly reason except we made a commitment to each other. And we said, this is how we're going to do this. But in the, in the midst of that, still, couples like that fall apart all the time anyway. But there was no reason, but she did. And when I look at her and I say, I'm so very, very thankful for a wife that had no reason to marry me and did anyway, and then had no reason to stick with me and did anyway. But you know what? The full magnitude of that gift doesn't come forth until I acknowledge that. She's not just a good person. She's a gift from God. Wrapped up in a pretty bow and said, God said, Chuck, I'm going to trust you with her. Have I done it perfectly all the time? Gosh, I wish I could tell you I could. I have. Boy, that'd make it nice, me standing up here, right? But then the lightning would strike, and we'd all go at the same time, and you'd say, blame Chuck for that, you know? No. But it's the acknowledgement that the gift is so beautiful because of the heart of the giver that gives it to us. We're going to do something here. Again, it's, it's different. Um, I'm going to ask... I'm going to ask Karis and our worship team to step back up here with us. We haven't done this before, but we're kind of breaking right in the middle, and we're just going to have a, a worship time here before we move on to the second part of this. But here's a good part, too. For our, for our Summit kids, this is a song that is your favorite. That's what I'm told. You know, every week when you talk about the number one requested song on the radio, you're going to get to hear it with them. But as we stand up, you ready? I'm going to ask all of our Summit kids... Anybody that wants to, and our teachers, and our volunteers. But parents, you want to stand up front here. You want to go to the aisles. You want to stand at the side. But this is not a time of a performance. Get this. We're not asking our Summit kids to perform. We're acknowledging that we're all in this together, and we're all going to do worship together. But now they're going to get to do it because there's going to be hand signals up there and all kinds of stuff, and it's going to be on the screen for you with that. And we're just going to have some fun because we think God wants us to have fun in this process. So if you're one of the Summit kids, would you all come up here? Come on, bring anybody you want to. Grab a mom, grab a dad, do whatever you want to do with this. Come on. They'll come up here. Any of our volunteers want to come up here? You want to stand on the side in that? All right, Karis, this one's on you. Come on. We talked about it in the staff meeting, and I said, why don't we just bring them up on platform? I said, and everybody goes, Chuck, that could get really crazy. Okay. And I said, okay, you're right. I don't even know what I was thinking. We'll just have them down front and in the aisles here. So when they all came up, I turned around because I come down and I looked up and I goes, okay, we'll just let them take over. Okay. They knew what needed to be done here. Was that great? I got to tell you, if... My heart for that and seeing young people feel safe with their faith, safe with their worship, and frankly, 
safe to have fun, all right, that does thrill me. I will tell you that. I, uh, wow. You know, just seeing us all together just kind of, you know, I kind of get lost for words for a second. I'm just going to pause for a minute. Okay? That was amazing. Marie, thank you. Yeah, give her a hand. That was, uh, and I'll tell you something else with Karis and our worship team up here. When you're dealing with a lot of creative people, um, you'll get in a room and you'll be a few days out from doing something and somebody will go, I got an idea. Hey, what if we did this? Everybody's looking around going, you know what? That'd be great. Call Karis. Tell her she's doing that. And that's like 48 hours before they're rehearsing, you know, to figure something out there. But when you've got creative people who are so in love with the Lord and they want to use the gifts that God has given them to say, if it touches one person, if it helps one of these young people grow, if it helps one of us here say, you know what? Church needs to be a family. Church needs to be a family. And they respond, and then that's what you get when it happens. You know, this, this idea that gratefulness and um, living gratefully should be passed on generationally. One of the things for the last, I'm talking 25 years, so much of my life has been devoted in helping churches understand the power of living intergenerationally, where the generations come together, we grow from one another, and even that statement for generations yet to be born. But this idea of gratefulness and living gratefully, it can and it should be passed generationally. You see that in the makeup of families too. When you see the, the adult community of a family that live gratefully, grateful living in that process. You'll see it in their kids, and you'll see them learn it in there, and so forth. You'll see the characteristics and the traits passed down. And isn't that what God wants for us? There's so much that can be caught rather than taught when we do this as a family, and this idea that when we do it with an intentionality, right, this idea that, and I said it last week, this generation to generation, even to generations yet to be born, and the power of that statement, what that means for us is it's very real. You know, it's, um, and that was one of the things that I, I went back and looked at last week's message and just some of the notes there for myself. And that Reinhard Bonnke, that the story began before he was even born, and you, you think of those things. But I want to give you three things here. I want to give you three benefits of living grateful life or grateful living. And then I want you to take three steps or just offer them to you, okay? Here's the very first thing. And uh, as I did the preparation, just the, the number of studies that are out there that tell us what the attitude does toward health. Grateful living, we know this, it literally improves health. This action of gratitude, living a grateful life, it improves health. There are so many aspects, not just mentally or physically and spiritually, all of those. And what's the interesting thing is, as I looked at the different studies and looked at the, the findings in the studies, so many of those studies had nothing to do with faith-based. You know, you think, well, you will just go through and let's look at the studies that talk about faith and we'll tell people this is why they need to be in church. Well, I want you in church. I want us to be a family. I want us to come together. But let me just tell you, gratitude, right, even by the people that do not acknowledge the faith portion of it, gratitude improves health in every way. And it's, you know, they look at it and doctors say, the ones with gratitude, less aches, less pains, they see them less often, and we go through all of these different things. Here's the second thing. Gratitude has been shown to improve self-esteem. Now, 
I, I look at this thing from a self-esteem standpoint, like how I look at myself, right? Well, you got to be careful. You cross the line, get a little egotistical, but this is really about how does God look at you? For me, real self-esteem comes from knowing how God the Father, your creator, the one that created you with a purpose and a destiny, that's the self-esteem to look at. And here's what we know, that again, study after study, everything that goes on in a pool of people says, when they are living with gratitude, grateful lives, more than just saying thank you and walking away. But this idea that coming from the heart and acknowledging the giver of the gift that you're grateful for because it is a good, good giver, right? That it changes everything in the process. And I look back at what's happened to our nation and frankly the world over the last few years and the social separation and things like that and so forth. And frankly, this issue of self-esteem, self-worth, self-value, where there is no relationship and connection there, is taking a terrible hit on particularly our young people, but we can look at just across our nation. And we know this, if gratitude is good and improves your self-esteem, can you really see what a faith-based gratitude can do? for your self-esteem, your value, your worth, that it's really not based on anybody else because God the Father said, you're amazing. God the Father says, he doesn't make any junk. And when your self-esteem is based upon an understanding that the giver, a good, good God, a good, good Father, created you like that, right? It's hard to have bad self-esteem, isn't it? When you see yourself with God's eyes, for God's reasons, for God's purpose. And the third thing here is, and in some ways it ties into this, and all of these are interrelated, but gratitude opens the door to deeper and more significant relationships. Gratitude opens the door to deeper and more significant relationships. So let's just take this in a chain reaction. It's one thing to look at that cross and acknowledge Jesus died on that cross or a cross like that to pay the price for your sin and my sin. Boy, you go, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. But until you attach it with gratitude to say, God the Father loved you so much that he sent a gift that would die, suffer on a cross for you, his blood would be shed to cover your sins and mine, that God the Father, the giver of the gift, would do something. Oh yeah, the gift is good, don't get me wrong. That, that alone is enough to make you weep at times, isn't it? But then when you think about a father that is also your father, would send a gift like that because he loves you so much? Oh, now that's gratitude. You see, that's a shift in the heart condition, not just the mind. So if you start with that relationship and you acknowledge that relationship as being deeper because the giver of the gift is so good, how can that not impact every relationship we have here? How can that not impact the relationship of a young couple that just got married? 
when they realized the gift that God gave on that cross, but then all of a sudden, He gave you two a gift that is each other. And you can't just say, I fell in love and how wonderful she is, if you don't acknowledge the fact that there's a Father in heaven, Caleb, that loves you so much that He gave you that woman as a gift. So the gift is pretty good, isn't it? Oh, but the giver of the gift, how amazing that is, isn't it? And you see the deeper relationship. When we have that as a family, right, it flows through to the next generation and the generation beyond that, doesn't it? And when, they, when people see that and they know that, it doesn't mean we're putting on a show over here. It just means we're living out life because of a God, the Father that loves us so much, right? And I will tell you that I believe that draws people to want to know a God that would do that for us, and would He do that for them. I've shared many times with my dad. I was discipling him. He'd never made a faith commitment, and the stumbling block for my dad was um, he believed everything in God's Word. He believed in God. He believed Jesus died. He, all of that stuff. You know what the, the thing was is that my dad couldn't believe that God would actually do it for him, for everybody else. It was the best deal going. I mean, can you imagine that? But his life was so bad. And when he realized that God actually did it for him too, he and I knelt on a floor at the Wellington Apartments in Wichita, Kansas and bawled like babies as he made his first declaration of faith in Jesus Christ and asked God to forgive his sins. So when we see how good a God is as a giver of the gift and the gifts that He gives, wow, it literally does, it's an attractional faith, isn't it? So the, the deeper relationships starts with a deeper relationship with God when we're grateful to Him, but then it flows through every relationship that we have in our life, doesn't it? Now what are our steps? I'm going to ask you to think about what you have in your life to be grateful for. I didn't say thankful. What do you have in your life to be grateful for? Now here's why the word grateful is so important as opposed to thankful. We can give thanks for a lot of things, can't we? But if we go back to what we're talking about and we, we disregard the giver of the gift, that takes away the gratefulness, we miss a lot of the value, don't we? So when we look at this, you ask the question, what do we have to be grateful for? which one acknowledges the giver of the gift that we're thankful for is a good, good giver. So with our young people, I was, <laughs> I still, seeing them all up on the platform, I, I loved it. So for all of our young people out here, here's an assignment for you. You can ask your parents or anyone else in this room, even if they don't know you and you don't know them, when we're all standing out there, you can ask them, what are they grateful for? That's an assignment. I got one young lady down here, and she's going, yeah, and I'm going to do it too. <laughs> she's got some of you in mind you don't even know yet, but she's going to ask some of you, what are you grateful for? Right? Because in that remembrance, it is so healthy for us to say, you know what? Here's what I'm grateful for. I've talked about my wife, kids, but I'm, look, I'm grateful for all of you. I'm grateful just to be here with you. I consider the opportunity to be here with you a gift from God. It's not just I get to be up here, but I consider it a gift from a good, good God 
that allows a guy up here my age to say, oh my goodness, how much fun is this? And look at the people I get to be with. So that's the first thing. Think about what are you grateful for? The assignment now has been given, right? And you know, God tells us that. We talked about it in 1 Thessalonians when He said, give thanks in all circumstances, right? And in 1 Chronicles, we said the same thing, be thankful. But here's the, the second thing, and that is, pray for others. You know, it's, uh, God tells us even to pray for our enemies. That can be a tough one, can it? Okay? But you know, God also tells us that none should perish. And so sometimes you praying for the enemy that doesn't know Jesus, or perhaps not in a deep and profound way. But this idea of praying for others, and I will tell you this, I, uh, you know, Billy and I, we, each night we pray for our kids and call them by name, and even sometimes when they've been stinkers, not our kids, but I'm thinking of other families. You know, we live in a family where our kids are almost perfect and our grandkids are perfect. Some of you know exactly what I mean, don't you, right? This is, whenever we talk about kids and there can be a little stinker in the process, we're always talking about our neighbor's kids, aren't we? Hallelujah. Okay? But it's this idea that that process of engaging in prayer for other people, right, brings us to a level of gratitude, and it's that voicing it out. There's that process there, and I love Ephesians. It says it's this here in um, 1, 16 through 18, but he says this, I do not cease, like I'm not going to quit, to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in knowing of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, remember we used that for several weeks, we talked about open the eyes of our hearts, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? I love that, that he says here, I'm going to keep praying for you. I'm going to keep praying for you. I won't, give, I won't cease giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. But you know, there's a line in there that says that you may know the hope to which he's called you. I am. Uh, you know, when you're around people and you go, boy, they sure knew Jesus. Look the way they're acting. Read this scripture again, because he says that he's not going to quit praying for you. I won't cease. I'll keep praying all the time that you may know the hope, right, that God has for you. And here's the third thing that I would tell you. There's so much here and so much we find in, the, in this issue of start a gratitude journal. Write it down. What do you have to be thankful for? What do you have to be thankful for? So often we talk about the cross and nail up a prayer concern there. You know what I want to also encourage you? And I'm going to get Marie up here in just a second, but it's, you know, sometimes we need to nail something to the cross and thank God for that, that we're thankful for what he's done. That, that's a great place, but the writing that down, what do we do there? And here's what God tells us in his word. In Philippians 4.8, he says, look, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, what's he say? With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. You know, here's the deal. Spiritually healthy and maturing individuals of any age are normally people who are living grateful lives. Spiritually healthy and maturing individuals of any age 
are normally people living very grateful lives. Two weeks ago, I introduced you and I said, God wants his story to become part of your story for an eternity. And then I changed it last week and I said, God wants his story to become part of your family's story so that your family's story, including generations yet to be born, will become part of his story for an eternity. I believe God still wants that to happen. I'm going to ask Marie to step up here. Uh, if you are in this church and you don't know who this lady is, um, I'm going to risk a statement here, Marie. Yeah, here we go. Bring, come on over here. I get her up in front of you and then, but she's rapidly and just becoming an incredible friend of mine and somebody I, I rely on for counsel that God has used, and she's the director of our family ministries. This idea of the generations together, this was Marie. I told you I've spent 25 years, and, and her, but this was her. She's gonna explain some other things, and she's worked hours preparing and putting things together for us to prepare us, particularly for this coming week, to position us to perhaps get more out of this time frame than we have in the past. And that's been the desire of her heart is to do that. So I've asked her to lead us through the response time that we go into. I've asked her to share her heart with, her, with us on that one too. But as we pray, I'm gonna pray for my friend Marie. Come on over here, kiddo. Father, we are so grateful. I come as one who is grateful that, Father, you allowed me to be here, but that you gave me a, a real buddy and a friend and someone here whose wisdom and counsel is so very important to me. And it means a lot to this church and so much of what she does behind the scenes to help families, to raise up stronger summit kids, but impact all of us. So Father, I ask your blessings on Marie. I give you thanks for her. And I say to you, Father, I am grateful for her in my life and in this church. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all of Marie's family said, amen. This amen. one's yours, Amen. Thanks, Chuck. Okay, so during this response time, if you're here a part of our Summit family, most of the adults know what to do during this time. But this morning, I'm gonna talk to the kids and the students. So Summit kids and students, will you stand up, please? So there are some things that you can do right now that are in response to the message that we just heard and your love for Jesus. And the first thing is that there's a cross over here and there are cards by that cross. You can write something on that card and you can nail it to the cross. So if you're worried or anxious or nervous about something or you're afraid of something, you could write it on that card, nail it on that cross and give it to Jesus. And as Pastor Chuck said, if there's something you're really thankful for, you can do that too. We also have our prayer team on either side and they are there to pray with you and to pray over you. And if you need prayer, you can go to them and ask them. You can go as a family or you can go by yourself. And then the other thing we have is communion. And we would love it if you guys took that as a family, that you let your parents lead you in taking communion and explaining to you what that means. 
and you praying together. So right now, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to let the worship team take over, and we're going to respond to what God has said to us this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just praise you and thank you so much for the gift of your Son. He is the one that we are the most grateful for. And because of him, we can love each other well. We can give our burdens to you and we can lift each other up in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this Summit family and what they mean to, to me, to our staff. Father, I ask that you bless them, that you encourage them, and that they would be able to have a grateful week and to celebrate the blessings that God has given us this week during Thanksgiving. We love you, Lord, and thank you so much for the sacrifice of your son. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Before you leave today, there are also going to be resources we want you to pick up, so come see me before you go.